Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? It's the Wrestle Your Perception podcast. My guest today is a United States Marine. He is a veteran of the Gulf War. He's an 18-year veteran of the fire department. He is on the urban search and rescue team. He's been deployed to multiple disasters in the United States. He is the definition of a senior man, which to me is the highest ranking in the fire department because it's given to you by your peers. And we'll elaborate on that a little bit. His name is Rob Ortega. Yo! (laughs) Bob, I'm so happy to be with you today, man. Me too, bro. Rob invited me to his house. We set up the little recording spot, and we're ready to go, man. So let's cheers. I got we got some cafecito here. Salud. We got some Pinecrest Bakery. Cheers. Salud. Cheers. It wouldn't be Miami if you didn't start off your morning with a with a nice little coffee. Oh yeah. So Rob, talk to me, man. Yes, sir. How did it go last night, Rob? We both just got off a shift. We're at different uh, stations. But. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was a typical. Night in Westchester, heavy gravity. <laughs> Had some pick-me-ups, uh, everything else that comes with that territory. Um, Westchester is a high geriatric community, so you get a lot of uh, hypertension calls, anxiety calls, uh, falls. Uh, we're bordered by heavy traffic uh, highways, so you get a lot of Fender benders and that's everything why, else in between. That's why you do the Mono Report. That's right. Could you can you tell them what, how this Mono Report started? Because I love it. I see it on Instagram. Rob's very popular um, in the firefighter community across the country, it, the world, or just the country. No, I think it's just us. You know a lot you know, of people, right? From, but I don't open it up to the world. Oh, all right, it's only I my open it up to people that I know. No, <laughs> then you get some Yazoo trying to give you, you know. A hard time that you don't even know. <laughs> That's just what they do, and I'm not. I don't have tolerance for that. You, the older <laughs> I get, the less tolerance I have for stupidity. <laughs> so I only let people into my world that I enjoy spending time with, or I enjoy what they post, or I enjoy seeing their face. They're funny. Yeah. They, they give as much to my world as I give to them. Yeah. Like I tell people, why do you suffer having people on your social media that you really don't like? Yeah. They get you in a bad... No, the mic, the you, mic. They get saying. you in a bad mood. <laughs> they get you in a bad mood when you even see their face. Why do you suffer? Unfriend them, by Get out of here. Yeah. Make space for the people that you really like. Yeah. And that's and I love that because that you opened the Mono Report to that. Explain what the Mono Report okay. is. So my greatest pleasure in the world, <laughs> one, is to unite people, and the other is to help people. So because, obviously already, Miami is heavily populated with traffic. So you get one one minor uh, uh, fender bender. Now you got even more traffic. I know I would wonder what's going on up there. Then you got all the rubberneckers, all the chismosos. And if you don't know what chismoso is, chismoso is nosy. Okay, or like we call them, you know, concerned Cubans. Uh, and I can say that because I'm Cuban descent. So don't get offended. Uh, no, they won't. So people just drive. So 
because a lot of times we're the first on scene, I'll let people know, hey, stay off the Palmetto. There's a minor fender bender in the northbound lanes. Get off on Bird because you're going to be stuck in traffic or the Turnpike or wherever it is. And a lot of times people are like, I wonder what's going on. Where's the mono report? <laughs> so it on top so- of that, you know, I try to make it funny too. I just don't want to be like, no, I want to add something to laugh. And then I don't know how the yo came in. That's what I was going to say. The yo came in. I think I, I credit Victor, Vic Nelson. Uh, he at 43, some, right. He somehow was involved or he initiated it. And then I told him in honor of you from now on, I'm going to start every morning report with you. <laughs> He's got an Airbnb just off topic. You ever see his house? I just no. saw it on Instagram. Negative. Beautiful. One of my, my buddies showed me it yesterday and I was like, that's fuck. That's Victor's house, uh, I mean, his Airbnb somewhere in Georgia or something. Yeah, his, Beautiful. His, uh, Holy crap. Those, those two guys, the Nelson brothers, are both awesome. Who's his brother? Uh, Chris Nelson. Chris from yeah. Seven? But back, back in the day. The firefighter no of shit. firefighters. Yeah, that guy's now a badass. Now he's a Band-Aid fairy. Oh, man, that's awesome. I didn't know they were brothers. That's yes, cool. Yes. Both great dudes. Two totally different guys. Yeah. So... So with your uh, with your mono report now, what's people don't know what mono is? Okay, how did that come um, about? When I walk, <laughs> when I walk, I kind of waddle like a gorilla. <laughs> so when I was a rookie, Juan Garandas, you know Juan? Garandes? No, I don't know. Okay, he's an EMS captain. Juan, I was a rookie at thirty five, and we had a overturned tanker on on uh, 36th Street, and when I'm tired, I see the shirt. I awesome. wobble even more. Thank you, I wore it because you were coming, Thank you, man. bro. Thank you, man. I'm sorry to interrupt Spartans. you. Spartans. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, so when I get tired, I, you know, I waddle more. I knuckle drag, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he's telling me, hey, you walk like a gorilla. <laughs> so he stuck me with the nickname, the white the white, white gorilla, the white gorilla. <laughs> and it's then once I got to Battalion Twelve, it stuck even more, and the rest is history. Oh man, and, dude! And th- and there's some messed up nicknames on this department. So the white well, monkey is good. Yeah, what they used to call me. You said about my eye. Hey, you, you hear these mother? Oh. If, you, if you ever hear these guys <laughs> say this, they're, they're talking about you. What was it? Like oh. something crooked eye or something? Oh, eh. I will. Bico? No, because cross-eyed. Uh, I don't even remember. Was it that? Cross-eyed or something? Maybe. What is that? So what is it in Spanish? Bico is cross-eyed. Bico, he's like, because he told me, he goes, hey, if you ever hear some <laughs> motherfucker say this in Spanish, they're talking about you. Yeah. He's like, so don't let him say he anything. He used to mess with Luigi and say, hey, look at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> no, with the other eye. Dude, my eye was bad. And you know what's funny? When I was at 40 with you guys... You guys never made fun of my eye. You did a little bit, but none of the other yeah, guys said it. Because I like you. I know. Well, but there are, come on. Or if, when I took when, when I you took had... a picture with your your classmates at two. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's crazy, dude? That surgery, man. I can't believe it worked. Like, dude, my eye is perfect. It's it's nuts. And now it's like now it's just a, it's just a memory, man. Science. science. Follow the science. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, but. 
What were we saying before that? We were just saying something before we talked about my eye. Oh, the cross-eyed thing. Okay, your nickname. And um, my eye's fixed now, so that's cool. And I still have the nickname. You still have the nickname. Yeah, you still have the nickname Mono. So that's oh, that's because you were asking me where did the Mono report come come from? That's right. Since that's everybody right. calls me Mono, it used to be just it used to be Mono Blanco, which is white, white monkey, yeah. but mostly everybody calls me Mono. And I'm like, okay, Mono Report. And then from the Mono Report uh, announcing traffic <laughs> to let people know where the traffic was, then it developed into uh, Joe Needs a Carpenter. Hey, Mono Report, anybody who knows a good, yeah. reliable carpenter, call me. I'll post it here. Electrician, anybody need a refrigerator or I need a refrigerator. Dude, right. everything. And it, And it, you know. It does wonders. A lot of people have gotten things resolved because of the Mono Report or Station 52 is selling 52 swag, contact so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, whatever it is through the Mono Report or, like, I do um, the Marine Corps birthday Yeah. and Duffy's Tavern, we've been doing it. This year's going to be the 17th year. That's where I let people know what's going on. This is going on. The cake cutting ceremony is going to be at this time. Uh, there's a 5K here. Uh, yeah, you do it all the time. There's um, always something. There's always, and since I'm always involved in something or doing something, that's how I get the word out. Yeah. So, I know I mentioned Senior Man just before, and I wanted to touch on that because when I think of you, and I'm going to get sappy now, I think of you're the Senior Man because that is, because I was think, I was doing my, uh, my intro on the way here in the in the car when I was driving over here, and I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, okay, Marine Corps, Gulf War, multiple disasters that he's done. He's 18-year veteran. He's a senior man. And I don't think it's thrown around loosely, but I think some people throw it around loosely. And they don't realize how important of a role that is and how it's a rank that is given to you. And so I feel like it's the highest rank. I don't care if you're a chief. I don't care division. The chief of the department, when you're a senior man, all guys from all ranks come to you. They speak to you. They they, advi- they get advice from you. And what's your take on that? Because I think people consider you that. I do. As a junior guy, I consider you that. I, I think um, the rank of, of senior firefighter is a rank of you can't be selfish because you're – you're, you've made a decision, and I, I look at it this way, you know, because my kids would tell me, Dad, you should get promoted. You'd be a great officer. I go, yeah. But as an officer, I would be traveling all over the county, and I wouldn't be allowed to do the things that I enjoy, like participating in, you know, uh, the honor guard functions that I do or helping other people out because when you first get promoted – you're going to go to the not-so-likable station. Yeah. So and you're not going to be trying to get a swap and somebody to cover for you. You're not that gonna, was one. That's a big, that's a big Two, thing for you. I'm a big mm. – uh, even before the Marine Corps, I've always been uh, – I love history and I love traditions. So yeah. joining the Marine Corps, that just made it even worse because the Marine Corps is very – traditional surrounded yeah. by tradition yeah 
it's the only branch that celebrates his birthday. And even people that aren't Marines are from other branches, never been in the military, know that November 10th is the Marine Corps' yeah. birthday. Know that the Marine Corps' logo is Semper Fidelis, which, for those of you who don't know, means always faithful. So that has been, you know, part of my being. And I figured somebody has to stay behind to be able to pass on the traditions of the fire service to the guys that come behind you. If everybody runs and becomes an officer, who's going to ensure that the baton is being passed to the new the new generation in order for the traditions to continue? If the, the traditions get lost, they're done. There's nobody there to ensure that it's passed on. So basically you're a bridge between the old school and the new school. Yeah, man. And you have to be unselfish and you have to embrace that um, position in the fire service. It's very, it's very much needed, but not everybody wants to stay back and take that role. I enjoy it. You know, I, I remember when I first started driving in the fire service, I didn't want to, do it because I felt, well, I'm not going to get to go into the fires. Mm -hmm. But then, like always, I try to figure out something positive of something maybe that could be considered negative. I said, well, if I'm the driver, I'm basically the mom on the truck. I assist the dad, which is the officer. And if I get my boys to the to the play yard quicker, they get to play before everybody else. Yeah. So now there's how I turned it into a positive. And being a senior fireman too, you know, I, I, I find it honorable to be even compared or to even shoot to be as good as a lot of the senior men that I've been exposed to. Yeah, you know, one of them that comes to my head immediately, that's a three guy, is Ralphie Gonzalez. Yeah, man. Uh, Ralphie Gonzalez pretty much spent his whole career at Station 3. You know, his life is like, you, know, you I, like I always say, if your life was a movie, would people want to watch it? Right. Ralphie's movie is, you know, from being at 3 when 3 was it, when there wasn't that many stations and all the calls that they went on and, uh, you know, when, his, when he was in USAR, uh, he went to Africa, and he went to Turkey, and he went to Oklahoma, he went to 9-11, and then the three guys were always associated with the movie sets as movie medics, and then with his knowledge of weapon weaponry yeah. and, and marksmanship, he got into uh, stunt, stunt work with the movies. Yeah. So he's been on a whole bunch of movies that all of us have seen. So you look at his story... And you're like, I want to be like that guy. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not going to be a stuntman. But... And then when he retired from the chief of the department on down, everybody came to pay their respects to him. Wow. And That's a me, big deal. That's an honor. That's, that's what I want. That's, you know, it's like the saying goes, it's better to shoot high and miss than to shoot low and be on target. Yep. You know, even even if 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 I never get to his level, but to try to emulate somebody like that, or you know all the other 
senior guys that I've been around, wow. it's an honor, you know, and it's like you said, it's it's not a title that you place upon yourself. It's a title that people place upon you. Yeah. And part of it comes from, you know, like I want to be able to be a me- a good memory and everybody that's come in contact with me. Yeah, man. You, when you went through 40, uh, like the other day I had Chris Ewers was my rookie at, or rookie oh, under yeah. me at 47. Now he's a captain. Yeah. He, you know, uh, when I see you guys go up the ranks and, you know, feel that you had something positive maybe that you implemented to them that caused them to promote and better themselves, you know, it's a good feeling. It's like, it's like watching your kids develop. Yeah. It, and I think that that's one of the the main ingredients of being a senior guy. You you want to be responsible for the growth of others. Wow. Um it's like uh I was watching a meme today on 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 Facebook of successful people want to see other people succeed, unsuccessful people don't want to see others succeed. Yeah. You know, it makes I sense. Think that's part of being a senior guy too. You want to see other people succeed, and and it kind of, um, it, it goes full circle because the people that you took care of eventually get promoted, and then they wind up taking care of you anyways. Dude, you know, um, I've been blessed, man. I've yeah, been blessed a million times, and I still have eight more years to continue to do what I love. Um, not a lot of people get to do what they love. Um like I told you, I'm I'm blessed yeah, many times. Dude, you I think you just hit it on the head. Absolutely. Because I know that when, when I talk to people about you or you're you're mentioned in, in conversation, it's always it's like you kind of give like a seal of approval on somebody, you know? And what I like about you is if someone's getting messed with, because like there were stories or situations, you would always, you would stick up for that person and go to that place and be like, yo, guys, hey, leave this guy alone because of this. Right. And people respect you and people understand. And you're not afraid. You don't back down, which is another thing that I like about you because you stand up for your beliefs. You back your word always. You always have. And that's another big thing. Like people can be, a, you know, like I said, be a senior man train the guys, talk to the guys, advise. But when you stand by your word and back up your words, that's a big deal too. And when people respect your word, that's huge. So that's like an addition to being your position as a senior man, you know? And it's it's like we were talking about earlier, people confuse the senior man with a man that has seniority. Yep. Yep. Um... Some people love to do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. I never, and if you, if I lined up all the guys that I, that I think that I've had any responsibility towards, they, they're none, they're none of them are going to be able to say, Ortega would tell me to do this, but he'd never do it himself because that's a, that's how I would start the conversation. Yeah. Look, these are the things that I did as a junior guy or as a rookie. Mm-hmm. These are 
the things that I did. You don't have to do it, but I suggest you do them because they work for me, and I still do them today. Yeah. Because, like you said, um, the respect that you think you may have as a senior man or as a man in general, it's like rent. It's due every month, and it's got to be maintained. Yep. Because, you know, if later on down the road I start being a slacker and, hey, do this and do that, there's going to be a young guy just like I was that's going to be like, hey, go pack sand. (laughs) Because you're not doing what you're telling me to do. Yeah. And I'm the type of person – that I was always taught to lead by example. And yeah. the leaders that I've chose to follow in the fire service or I've chose to lead me usually lead the same way. And just to give you, you know, a couple of examples, I had Chief Garcia, Tony Garcia, the Iceman. Everybody loves him. If there was a drill, the first one in bunker gear was him. Mm-hmm. The first one to go through the through the maze or whatever it is we were doing, was him. Uh, the drill was over and 5-inch needed to be uh, loaded. He was on top of the truck. Not only did everybody love him, I got to rephrase that. They also respected him. Yes. That's a big thing. I, I left that out for and, a second. And he was he was a perfect gentleman. Yeah. Um, he, he was – he's an amazing individual. And, and on top of everything – Super humble. Yeah. Um, and I learned it, it was always amazing because we would talk amongst all the guys that have worked for him. And we're like, how does somebody that's only a few years older than you <laughs> implement this this fear of letting him down because he held himself to a standard that he almost not forced you, but you felt forced to. Follow the footsteps of him. And then you didn't want to let him down like if it was your dad. It's weird because he's not – some of these guys are the same age as me. I have such a high respect yeah. for – it's a weird thing. Chief Garcia is only five years older than me. But I had that much respect for him. Then now at three, I had Gabe, Gabe Nemeth. Yes. Another. Gabe went to high school with me. Gabe is only two years older than me. But, again – Till the last day that he was on the truck, I'd have to fight to get him out of the sink. He'd get mad at me for doing the stove because he liked doing the stove. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to let you do the stove. I'm going to do it. You, you know what's what's crazy about uh, Captain Nemeth? I'm name dropping. That's Gabe. And uh, shit, I just lost what I was going to say, Rob. Damn it. Okay, here we go. I got it. I was working there one day at three. And... He is not, by any means, he, like, he's not an asshole, but the guy, he just demands respect. But he's such a polite, good person. He's smart, but he, for some reason, just you respect him. I don't know what it is. It's his aura, whatever it is. But there was another guy that came in at the station, was wearing another station shirt. And Gabe wasn't like, hey, take that shirt off. He, he, the way he said it, I can't even rephrase it the way he yeah. said it. He's like, <laughs> I'm butchering it right now, but he's like, hey, um, I see that shirt you're wearing. All right, but uh, we got three shirts, so we wear those shirts here. Whatever way he said it, the guy bought the shirt and put the three well, shirt on. Just It wasn't even an issue. It just was so smooth. 
and the guy put the three shirt on. Well, he's, so, he's <laughs> uh, I tell him he's he's a a manipulator of emotions, but dude. Okay, um, Gabe, Gabe, uh, like I tell him, you'll tell me, fuck you in such a nice way that I'll be like, gee, thanks, <laughs> because he knows how to handle the different personalities on the job. Yeah, man, that's and a that's a leader right there. 10, he won't he won't get them upset. He'll almost make it seem like it's their idea, not his. Yeah. If that makes any it sense. It does make sense. And he um he again, he's a person that puts everybody in front of him. That's a that's a leader though, right? He uh he never wants to make it look like uh I'm thinking about myself first. No. He'd rather not eat than know that you're not eating. That's that's serve, it right there. Serve himself last. Um and, and then like like for example me, I'm a person that I love to have initiative. I love to be able to wind just wind me up and let me go and get stuff done at the station. I've run into situations where Somebody wants to micromanage you. Now you're limiting my initiative. Yeah, yeah. So even if Gabe doesn't want to do whatever it is you want at the moment, he won't tell you no. He'll tell you, look, that's a good idea. Let's concentrate on this. Like I remember when I first got to three. It was like, yeah, that's a good idea, Rob, but let's concentrate on this. The Christmas party's coming. Let's worry about the surrounding areas of the station, and then we can move on to this. Yeah. Okay. Now, it's not a no, but it's definitely maybe. Mm -hmm. Or somebody like me, okay, now you're giving me hope. You're not just squashing my dude. No, I don't yeah. like it. Where, where I'm going to get upset. There, there's many facets of yeah. a leader and a man and someone who who gets respect. It's, 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 so, it's not black and white. Yeah. It's so deep. And he has a lot of those qualities, those huge qualities, as do you, as do a lot. Like, there's there's a lot of guys that we're probably not going to mention in this podcast that you look up to, that I look up to, especially being the junior guy here. So, I mean. And, and it's it's like, uh, like I always, I like to credit him. What I do of offering myself to whoever I come in contact. Yeah. <clears throat> That's some something that I picked up from. I don't know. He was obviously he was long gone before you got hired. Chief Bobby Suarez. I call him my godfather, my mentor. Um, I used to play softball with his daughter Elizabeth's boyfriend Nelson. And when she found out I got hired, she told him, "Hey, one of Nelson's friends is getting hired with you guys." He didn't know me from Adam. Mm -hmm. He tells her. Tell him back then, I think he was working in fire prevention at headquarters. Tell yeah. him to come by headquarters, and I'll answer any questions that he has. Yeah. So I showed up in my post office uniform. Hey, I'm looking for Chief Suarez. He comes out. He gives me the, you know, the rundown. This is what you should expect. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, for somebody like me that was new to the fire service, I didn't have really any family members. Yeah, I had a couple of buddies. I had, you know, DJ Pena and Sergio Ramos that were in from before, but 
you know, we never had that sit down. And it was so beneficial to me that my way of paying it forward is being able to, to talk to the new guys, to talk to the recruits when they allow me to, and share my passion for the job with them and at the same time offer, look, whenever you guys have an issue, you got a problem, here's my number, call me, you got to do stuff with your rookie book you can't do because you don't have time, whatever, come by, call me, you know, which is another thing that's, I think, part of being a senior man is being a mentor. Yeah, huge, big time. Being, you know, being a mentor in the fire service. Yeah. Um, and being an ambassador of the fire service. Yeah, which you are, you, to a T. You know, again, those are unofficial titles that are placed upon you, I guess, from your actions. Yeah. Absolutely, and by your peers because of your actions. You know, they're it's it's placed upon you. It's given to you. And the greatest ambassador that I can think of of our department, the most recognized member of our department, to me is Captain Bill Gustin. Yeah, we couldn't go through this without mentioning him, right? <laughs> Who doesn't love that guy? And that's a, he's a worldwide name in the fire service. Everybody knows Bill Gustin. Yep. One day I'll get him on the show. Oh yeah. I, I would need you as a mediator. Yeah. <laughs> you that would be fun. <laughs> so that was awesome. I love talking about the senior man title with you because that's a huge thing in the fire service. I think a lot of guys, I hope a lot of firefighters listen to this and they get, they'll get a lot out of that. I think what we just spoke about. I want to talk to you also about the, um, the collapse, the most recent disaster that hit, um, in our country. Um, uh, so can you walk me through that night or that day when you got the call? Because um, Rob is uh, Urban Search and Rescue, Florida Task Force One. Um, go ahead. What else you got? Your TR. I know well, to be on that team. Can right, you just give us a okay. quick in rundown? Order, in order for you, in order for you to get on the USAR team, you have to have one of the special ops certifications, mainly technical rescue or hazmat. Mm-hmm. If not, it's very difficult you to get on the team um i've done a lot of things in reverse i started driving early in my career and because of certain situations i wasn't able to do a lot of other things i did things on the back end Mm -hmm. Uh, the department provided me an opportunity to do ropes through seniority yeah and then i started and we knocked out ropes and then i'm like what am I going to do with this? It's just going to be a cert and a file. If if I don't knock out my TRT, is this is a waste. Yeah. You know, and I just rob somebody out of the opportunity of getting into rope class just so I can say I have the cert. Yeah. And then uh, at the same time, I had I had my kids were grown. I wasn't paying child support anymore. So I had funds available. I'm like, you know what? I told my wife, "Look, let's invest in us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my TRT." Yeah. And then at the same time, I kept hearing that USAR was gonna open up, and again, having Ralphie at the station and a lot of the guys at Station Three, you know, Triple F, Gabe, Bobby McGuire, uh, all USAR guys. You know, it was almost like I almost felt obligated to be 
a USAR guy from, you know, a three guy. Yeah. Um, which again, and a, and a lot of our guys from three were on nine eleven. Yeah. So I finally knocked out my TRT, had my stuff all ready to go. USAR opened up, and that was my in. I could have gotten in a little bit earlier based on seniority, but again, I didn't have the certs. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't even bother applying. And I got in. I got on the USAR team. And then my club, in yeah. reference in reference to the collapse, um, I got off shift. I went to Tropical to run run uh stairs. Okay. Like I try to do as frequent as I can. Yeah. And as I was done, I get a phone call from Obi. Hey, Rob, what are you doing? I go, no, I'm here in Tropical Park. Are you available? Go ahead. Are you available? I go, yeah. How quickly can you be here? I go, give me 20, 30 minutes so I can pick up my gear and, you know. He goes, no, no, just get your BDUs. I said, you know what? It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. I went, got dressed. Put on my BDUs and threw all my USAR gear in the truck. I said, if I don't need it, I didn't lose anything. But if I need it, it's going to be a pain in the butt. So me and like five other guys or four other guys got called in. We went to the site because it wasn't a deployment. It was just, I guess, an assignment. And then that later that, that night or the day after, it became From a deployment. deployment. And you went straight to headquarters to go... Or you so went straight to the site? We went to headquarters, and from headquarters, we went to the site in a van. And it was just five or six of you? It was five or six of us. Wow. Yeah. So when you got there, what were you? What was going through your head, if you could recall anything? Well, uh, you know, like just like everything else. Because you've seen some shit in your life. Yeah, but but like always, I always tell people, because like, like you were telling me today, Rob, you're everywhere, and- Part of the reason why I'm like that is because I've seen so many times um, how you have to be in the moment. Yeah. You can watch a video, you can see a picture, but there's nothing like being in the moment. And it's been proven to me time and time, time and time again. It's like you look at your wife and she looks so beautiful, but then when you go take a picture with your phone, the image is not exactly like what your eyes are seeing. No, not at all. So right there, it proves to you that there's nothing like being in the moment. That's why I savor every moment because I've seen how it is. So when you see the collapse on TV and you see it in front of you, it's a totally different impact. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... You can imagine what it looks like, but when you're there and, again, like being in the military, when certain smells, certain noises, certain songs, certain things will put you right back in that place. So you now you're in front of the collapse and you're smelling the concrete, the rebar, the everything that's part of that moment you'll never forget those smells those those noises uh whatever music you heard while you were there all those things and i don't know if that's just me cuz you know like 
because I have so much passion. I told my wife sometimes I live life not I live life in ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Which to me is a step above passion. So I savor like this moment that we're having right now, this is never gonna happen again. Yeah. You can't replay this. No. You can reenact it, but this is only gonna happen once. Yeah. And because I know that I savor everything and everything is that much sweeter to me. Yeah. I don't know if that's part of my passion for the fire service. Um, you know, I never knew that I would get to do so much, including now the the collapse, be part of a historical moment in not only Miami's history, but our country's history, I guess. And then to hear a lot of the older USAR guys say that this reminds them a lot of Oklahoma because it was a similar uh, collapse. It was a similar, you know, scenario. And it wasn't as large as 9-11, but it's in that realm. Yeah. You know, this will, there's going to be books written about this. There's going to be um, memories and all kinds of stuff are going to come out because this is, it's a, it was a major incident in the world. Yeah. You know, um, the guys that you go through, that you go through shoulder to shoulder and you sweated with and you got soaked under and they'll always be in a different category in your life because of what you guys went through together. Yeah. And that's just like the Marines. People tell me, why are Marines so tight? Why are... One, it's the tradition, and two, it's everything that you went through together, whether yeah. it was good or bad. And a Marine that went through the Marines 20 years ago can have a com- a perfect conversation with a Marine that just finished boot camp because pretty much whatever they went through, these young guys are going through. It might get tweaked a little bit, yeah, but it's very similar. Wow. Um, so when you got there, when you got to the collapse, um, you guys are just basically assessing the situation, and then, because I mean, what are you gonna do? But you yeah. you can't do anything right, right there. Right. I mean, so how long were you? How many days were you there for? Or weeks? Or? I think um, it was twenty something days. I think from uh, my wife was telling me the other day it was twenty two days. Shout out to your wife, by the way. Yo, I know. I said uh, your wife's a saint. But you said, no, she just understands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny that you just said that. And somebody had spoken to me the other day. Now that we just hit that subject before I get off track. Yeah. Um, the importance of a fireman to have a wife that understands how we function. Yeah. And what we need. Not all of us are like that. Not no. all of us have as much skin in the game as others. Some are more detached yeah. in the job as others. But when you're as involved as I am, and I know there's other guys that are very involved in the fire service, it's very much needed to have a wife that is not selfish yeah. and understands how big a part camaraderie plays in the health of those of us in this community. Absolutely. Whether it's... Police, fire, or military. Absolutely. The time it's that we huge. spend, and I had to explain it to my wife one day, even though she had an idea because 
My wife gets along better with guys than with girls. Yeah. But I told my wife, I said, look, every time I leave that door and I lock it and I go and I get in my car and go to work, I don't know if that's the last time I'm coming home. Yeah. Whether it's a power line or a fire or a warehouse collapse or an accident on the Palmetto, I don't know that I'm coming home. Yeah. So the time that I spend with my guys or girls off duty is crucial to my psyche, to my soul, because that's what brings us together. As a unit, the camaraderie spent off shift brings the station together. Uh, just like in the movies, the weddings, the com- uh, the communions, the yeah. baptisms, the birthday parties. All those things, just like in the movie, it brings the station together. It happens in real life. Uh, the loss of a family member, the loss of another bro- brother firefighter. Yeah. To be able to congregate and reminisce and toast in their honor is paramount. It's hell. It's just for your overall well-being. It right. is. Unless you're a person that has, deep, a, man. that has an addiction to alcohol, then that's a separate en- entity within its own. Yeah. That's because it happens. Yeah. But to some of us, that time is crucial. It's very much necessary. You know, Rob, I wanted to, that I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking the other day what our, I'll say, I'll just keep it on a small level, what our, our department was going through, our, our world really was going through it with the whole COVID shit. How lucky we were. Granted, when it first hit, we didn't know what was going on. Exactly. But how lucky you and I were being in this department that we can still go to work and talk shit and still be with your buddies when you had people at home that were afraid to leave their house. And we were in it. We were in it. We, were, we didn't know what was going on. We were scared because we didn't know what kind of disease this was, whatever it was, and whatever it is now, you know, it's, it's, it's bullshit. Not bullshit. It, it's real, but... It's not what we thought it was, but right. we were in it, and we were so lucky because of the mental health that we got to keep intact yeah. that a lot of people didn't get to keep, and I know personal friends and a lot of people around me, friends of friends, that got affected by this negatively, big time, because they couldn't have the interaction with people, and we had that interaction, and you talking about this, I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a little tangent, you talking about how important it is for your overall health, mental health, but also physical health, to be with your the people in your department, the people that you're toe-to-toe with, with dealing with the community and dealing with the disasters that happen, even uh, such a big deal to me is even getting up in the morning, doing shift change, and having coffee with those guys and girls, and how much shit you get to talk and get out. That is so huge that for a partner or a wife or a husband to understand that is such a huge deal. And I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because it's like, man, I was lucky. I'm lucky to have what I have. And you have the same thing as well in a station that we have. Yeah. It's, it's a, I mean, you can't even explain how lucky we are. As, as, like I, it's again, therapeutic. Like I tell you, there's always a, a way to f- make something positive out of something negative. Yeah. COVID was negative in the fact that a lot of us felt like we were being lied to. Uh, COVID was negative in the fact that some people didn't know where their next check was going to come from because they weren't allowed to go to work. Uh, It was negative in the fact that 
of the unknown. Yeah, it was the unknown. How long is it going to last? But on the same token, whatever we lost because of COVID, now we appreciate that much more. Yeah. Physical contact, conversation, holidays, everything that was taken from us because of COVID, if it when it comes back, you're going to hold on to it that much more. We have to, yeah. Okay. Uh, eating like a family together, spending a lot of the time that we got or we were forced to spend together as families made us realize how much we've neglected, you know, family time. Yeah. Because we're caught up in our own little worlds and our phones and our social media and my kids with Fortnite, all that stuff. Yeah. That you learn that's not that important. All right. And I I made it through that because one, because of obviously you try to think positive. Two, yeah. My faith in God and a lot of mimosas we drank here in my house. <laughs> that's the that's one of the reasons that I survived. Because you're a very social guy. Yes. The initial COVID, you know. Couldn't impact. hug anybody? Like, what the yes. fuck? Yes. I'm not going to not. I'm, you know, my background is Cuban. Just like Italians. We yeah. like to kiss and hug. Oh, dude, I kiss everybody. I don't care. I'm not going <laughs> to not. Unless you are freaking. You're like, oh, don't Yeah, don't me. touch me. Yeah. I'm going to kiss you and I'm going to hug you. Yeah. That's the way I am. Or I'm not going to be with the fist pump. No, yeah. No. Shake my hand. Shake my hand, dude. I'm a man. Yeah. I don't care. I'm not I'm afraid. I'm a man. <laughs> Shake it. Shake it. Shake it like a man. Don't shake it like a floppy fish. Yeah. Give me some eye contact. Don't give me that dead fish. Um, which is, is great to see in the young kids of today. There's some kids that their parents actually did a good job and passed that on to them. A yeah. Firm handshake and good eye contact. Yeah, man. It's when I see that sometimes, I'm like, hey, when you go home today, you thank your dad. Tell him I said thank you. Yeah. You know? It's the truth. It's a long lost art. It just is like being just like chivalry, just like being a gentleman, you know, uh, the art of conversation as well. Yes. Having a fucking conversation. Yes. My son, my Enzo, my 16 year old, he's like, Dad, I'm so grateful that you raised me the way that you. Did. Yeah, man. And so I met a him when he was little kids, 10 years old. They yeah. can't have a conversation. I go, yeah, because all they do is text. Yeah, dude. Oh, I got to no. talk. If it's that important. Talk to the person face-to-face. You want to know what their reaction is to your conversation. Yeah. Not for them to be making faces to you on the other side of the phone like, hey, yeah. Yeah. No. I want, now, if it's not that big of a deal, of course, a text is fine. Yeah, I'm on the way, but whatever. If it's life-changing, if it's something that's been bothering you, confront it face-to-face, man-to-man. Mm-hmm. You know? People lose that. Yes. We've or they lost it. The art of being a man of your word, mm-hmm. you know? How would you like it if today I called you, hey, uh, uh, we can't do the podcast because I had overtime. No. No. If I tell you we're doing a podcast, we're doing a podcast. I'll drink some more coffee. That's we're doing right. it. <laughs> we're doing a podcast. Yeah, Even man. if I had gotten 12 after midnight and I couldn't walk, I'm, my word to you is more valuable than anything else on this planet. And I felt the same way. I go, if I get the shit kicked out of me, I'm gonna drink a coffee, <laughs> I'm gonna drink a monster, and I'm going to see Rob. Because this is a too it's too valuable to me. Yeah. You know? I mean I mean we went on a little bit of a tangent. 
but a good tangent because all these all these these sidetracks of the main conversation is like gold to me. I see this and I see what you're saying, and it's so it's so perfect. Everything that's that's that we're talking about right, right. now. But going back to Surfside, so you said you were there for 20 days. We touched on how your wife was very understanding and how important it is to have a a partner that understands. And shout out to my wife as well because she's very understanding and she's dealing with her things that are, she's got going on and she's still dealing with me, with my things. Yeah, and your kids. Yeah, the kids. They're little, thank God, yeah. you know, that they're going to, I think they're going to grow out of this and yeah. get through this, you know, weird time that we're in right now as long as us as parents keep fighting for it. Yeah. But, um, so the surf side, you were there for 20 days. Um, I know a lot of people got affected by it negatively. A lot of the workers there, mm-hmm. um, when you got there, when you started working, when you got your feet on the ground onto the pile, um, was it, do you, when you deal with your, with the tragedies that we see on a regular basis doing the job that we do and, you know, you're in the military as well because you've seen it before, you were, right. in, you were in the Gulf War, we'll touch on that as well. How do you deal with, with seeing the tragedies constantly? Because I know everybody deals with things differently. Right. Whether it's compartmentalized or they uh, shut themselves out of it. or right. My my main focus while I'm there is you think um, no matter how hot it was, no matter how much your feet hurt, no matter how tired you were, the pain that you're feeling because you were tired or you were sore cannot compare to the pain that the family members had for their lost loved ones. So whatever you think you're feeling is minuscule compared to the feeling that those family members are feeling. Because if I put myself in their place and I lost somebody that I loved in that pile, I can only imagine the pain I would feel. Yeah. So the thing that keeps you going is the fact that you're providing these family members closure and answers to their questions. So whatever you think is a problem to you, again, is minuscule compared to what they can be going through. So that's what keeps you chugging and digging picking up rocks and putting them in buckets. And to a certain extent, you feel like, what am I doing? Why can't I just grab a backhoe and do this? But then you have to think, you know, they're looking, you know, the possibility that somebody might be Hitting alive some, yeah. under that. The hopes that those people, as long as they got you on top of that pile looking for rocks, that they might be a miracle, that one of their family members might be pulled out because – I think in Haiti there was somebody that was found after 11 days. So yeah, you have to have faith in believing that a miracle might occur. And for you to know that you may be witness to something like that also keeps you going. Wow. I'm telling you, man, faith is, is something that we put to the side, but it's very important. For us to make it through life and tragedies like what we're dealing now. Because you, you think about it. We're adults and we can um, 
we can make sense of things. Yeah. But imagine these poor kids that are wearing masks at school and oh, have dude. no idea why they're wearing a mask. To me, that's the ones that are the most affected by this whole ordeal. They can't see the faces of their friends and teachers. It's just, dude. Well, again, look, another thing you take for granted, a smile. Yeah. That's huge. People okay. don't get it. Yeah. So, but yeah, that those that's the way that I kept myself going. Because you, know? you had faith. Because I have faith and I had a mission. I you had, had a mission. I am putting somebody else, somebody else's needs above mine. And that's what a leader does. That's what a true leader does from the bottom to the top. It doesn't matter your rank. A leader puts the needs of, of the other people that need it in front of theirs. And that's how you keep going. That's how superhuman shit happens. That's how people just keep going and get through crazy situations and are calm under pressure. You know, that's how it happens. And, and as, as part of a crew, if you're bringing negative stuff to the environment, you're, it's just going to rub off on everybody else. Yeah. And you're going to wear them down. And then they're going to be no good to you. Exactly. But if you find a way to push past it and, you know, I try to make things like a competition or a game, okay? When I, ha when I saw how much rebar that was there that we had to cut, and, and I'm thinking, I'm going to cut the most rebar here. Watch, I'm going to go crazy. I just start going. I make a game out of a competition out of something that had to get done. It's like a short-term goal, and right. that's it. You, you have to you, do things you like gotta that. you got to trick yourself. It's like when you, you, you're an athlete, you've done brutal stuff to your body. you got to yeah. trick yourself because when your body starts just to think, I'm tired, eventually you're going to feel destroyed. Yeah. But if you figure out a way to pass, go past that pain and challenge yourself, you push it, you know, it's like – I think the worst, the hardest part when you do extreme stuff like you do is the fear of the unknown. How much further do I got? Yeah. And, and it happened to me the other day on a 5K. I went to, I think it was Metro Zoo had a 5K. Yeah. And they marked the first mile, I guess, so that you can mark your pace. Yeah. So I'm waiting for the, the second mile. I'm like, bro, the second mile's not getting here. <laughs> So then it starts messing with your brain. Yeah. Why is that mile taking so long? And then before you knew it, you were at the end of the race. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? that, And that happens with everything. Like, right. you, you, you got to play tricks on right. your mind. And then, like, there was, like, maybe two people in front of me. I don't know. I'm going to beat them before I get yeah. to the finish line. And then you see that they're trying to speed up, too. And I'm like, oh, you're not going to beat me now. Blah, 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 yeah. Blah, before I'm done. <laughs> A lot of the time, it's just, I just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And it's like, and... I'll come to, sometimes I'll come to grips with myself and just be like, and it sounds crazy, but it's like, I'll die before I don't take another step. So it comes, it's like crazy. It could become so simple sometimes. It's, it hurts, but it becomes simple. It's like, you're going to fucking, you're going to have to uh, fucking put the paddles on me and, and resuscitate me because I'm going to die here before I don't finish. Right. So I'll, and, and it becomes like that. It's weird. But like you were saying, the pain doesn't matter because you're putting someone else in front of you. You're putting their pain. Your pain is greater. And it goes with their crew. I, one of our guys was in the one was in the hospital recently. I, I forgot his name, but he 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 said something to the and one of the guys sent us the video. I forgot who what his name was. I believe he's a captain. Oh, you're talking about Javi Valdez. Yeah, and he says if you 
if you mess up, it's on you. If your crew messes up, it's on you. He's like, if they win, it's on them. It's not you. They're always in front of you. And that could be applied to a lot of things. Javi is... Uh, and I love that he said that. I don't know him. No, no. But I saw that. It, you see how I, I got am? the chills when Javi's I heard that. Javi's a lot like me. Really? That's why I know Javi because you know Romy Sejas? No. Okay, Romy used to be at Rescue 47 on B-Ship back in the day. Mm-hmm. I've always gone along really good with Romy. Romy is, again, he's younger than me. But he's in our realm. He's a man of his word. He's he's an old soul in a young world. Yeah. He was good friends with Javi. And I met Javi at Romy's house in a get-together at Romy's house. And from the moment I met him, it was it was a love affair. Yeah. I love that guy. He is. He There's no lying in his tongue. He says what he believes in. He backs up what he believes in. He leads by example. He's a fighter. Yeah. You know, what he went through, a lot of people would have not survived. Probably not. Yeah. Okay. But his drive to survive because of his love for his wife and his children is what kept him alive. Yeah. Yeah. Because supposedly he was intubated, and most people that get intubated during COVID do not survive. No. But Javi is a miracle, and he's here. Yeah. And he was able to provide that video to yeah. give inspiration to others. That was huge, that video. Because I don't normally watch the video. And it was just like a, that was a long video. But when he said that, I was like, holy shit. Javi is, I got goosebumps, man. Yeah, Javi is the real deal. And you could tell he meant it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he, he, he takes the role of an officer to the T. Like, he takes it to heart. Yeah. He takes it to heart. Like, you know, when, when he tested, his objective was to score at the top of his list to prove or to not let anybody that was associated to him feel like he let them down. Yeah. That's the type of person that he is. Yeah. Wow. Uh, That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, I'm glad, you know, I would text, obviously I would text his phone, but his wife had his phone, so I would text her every couple of days, hey, you know, because unfortunately, we as humans, we are out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, But I don't ever want to, especially a wife of somebody that's in the hospital, to feel like the brotherhood is fake. Yeah. Even if you, you text her, I text her, and she goes, okay, these guys really care. I never wanted her to feel that nobody was worried about him. Yeah. So every time, no, he's doing better. You know, then I try to send her stuff that was inspirational, like to keep her hopes up. Just like, you know, a lot of us don't do that enough. We have guys in the department that have passed every once in a while, you know, text the widow. You said this before. I've heard you say this before. Text her. Let her feel... And again, it's easy. It's it's like nine eleven. It's easy 9/11 to forget. Kicked. There was American flags all over the country, and little by little, those American flags start to fade. And a lot of times, we are guilty of that. We get caught in our own little worlds and forget the others. You know, I try to force myself not to be like that. Or if I know 
that somebody had surgery, call them, hey, how are you feeling? How did it go? Do you need anything? I'm, I might not be able to do anything, but the simple fact of you saying, whatever you need, call me, is... is it, it's huge, man. It goes huge. a long way. And, and us in the service community, we want to make you realize that we want to help you. Even if you don't need me, but I want you to know, hey, Luigi, uh, you just had surgery. Whatever you need, call me. Eye surgery. Uh, you're move- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm not the guy that's like some people tell me, no, because you never call. I said, if you're going to gauge your importance to me by how many phone calls I make to you, then you're losing, you're losing the effectiveness of what I am and who I am. Yeah. I'm not that guy that's going to call you every day or every month or every year. But I'm that guy that you can call at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'm in a jam, and I'm going to tell you where you at. Yep. I'm coming. I'm not going to ask what happened. No, no, I'm coming. And my wife's already, again, she's programmed. If somebody calls me in need, I'm dropping everything I got, and I'm coming to you. Yeah. Because that's important to me. Some people, a, a lot of people only do things because they're expecting something in return. They don't actually enjoy helping other people. Serving. I enjoy serving and helping other people. It gives me joy. So I'm like, why don't more people do it? What is it? And and that's how I really how I got into the profession. Yeah. Because I was always that guy that would push somebody out of the road that ran out of gas or change the tire. Yeah. And in one of those moments, my wife was my girlfriend back then, and I always remember every once in a while I'll drive through there just to never let me forget that emotion, that epiphany that I had that pushed me into this profession and keeps you humble. We were driving we were driving south on 157 Avenue by the Walmart in Kendall right before you get to Kendall, and there was a an older man was crossing from west to east, the 157, yeah. tripped in the median, and then couldn't get up. He was doing like the turtle. He was on his back. He yeah. couldn't get up. Yeah. So as I'm putting the car in park, my wife already knew what was going to happen. She was climbing over the console to get in the driver's seat. I go, look, you turn up there <laughs> and pick me up. I go to him. People, you know, uh, do it. Say it, say it in Spanish, hey, bro. Are you okay? He goes, No, yeah, I trip with my with my sandals and I can't get up. I'm trying to get to the bus stop. You're not hurt? No, no, I'm okay. I just I just can't get up. <laughs> so I'm I'm putting my hands under his armpits to get him up. And as I'm looking at the sign that says Kendall Drive on 157, I'm like, dude. I could get paid to do something that I love to do and I do anyways. Yeah. I'm going to be a fireman. Like Really? Just like that, I'm huh? going to be a fireman. I mean, I was dabbling already, but that was the moment where the SEAL was like, you're going to be a fireman, and nothing was going to get in my way. You were already out of the military that was, at that point? Huh? You were already out of the military? You're yeah. Already- remember, I, I got out of the Marines, and then I worked in the post office for 12 years. Gotcha. Okay. And then... 
towards the end of the 12 years, the guys that I knew that worked on the front, Rob, stop eating shit. Stop wasting your time, bro. You would be perfect for this job. Uh, and then when I really found out what the fire service was about, I'm like, dude, I'm all in. Yeah. This is like being a Marine, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the uniform. I'm handing in an M16 and grabbing an initial three-quarter three quarter hose. Yep. It's a different enemy, same objective. Yep. Put it out. Kill it. Mm-hmm. You know, the brotherhood, the tradition, all the things that I love, just a different uniform and a different weapon. Yep. I was all in. <laughs> it was an easy transition. And, again, that's where the Marine Corps birthday came into play. I was like, guys that were stationed with me in Desert Storm, like Ronnie Boers. You met Captain Boers? Yes. Ronnie was with me in Desert Storm. He was already hired here. This guy's a Marine. This guy's a Marine. This guy's a Marine. What a great way to celebrate the Marine Corps birthday and create camaraderie within the department. Wow. And 17 years later, here we are. It It went from seven guys that weren't all Marines because it was Will Fletas, uh Jeff Fector, which is Army. Robert Romero was Navy. Uh, Sergio Garces. We weren't all Marines. It was like seven of us. Uh-huh. Uh, Smokey, uh, Oscar Fumero. Okay. Till now, a lot of times, standing room only. And again, here comes another thing that I love to do. Support local mom and pops. Not your everyday Home Depot, Target, Publix. Local mom and pops. There's only one of them. Duffy's Tavern is a local watering hole in West Miami. That's where you guys always go for the Marine Corps birthday. That's where we go. And it's been around since, I think, 1937. Wow. I think the house was there since 1927, but the actual bar was around since 1937. Wow. So I talked to Wayne. I go, you know, because the Marine Corps was started... In Tons Tavern, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Duffy's Tavern. I go, what do you think if we hold a Marine Corps birthday? Okay, we're down. All right. That's awesome. And the rest is history. That's awesome. That's a big part of you, man. The camaraderie and the history and the tradition, that's a big part of who you are. It's the the two things that I love, bringing people together and helping out other people. You're doing both. Yeah. You're uniting the community because – Marines are not only on the fire department, they're in the police department, they're in the hospitals, they're teachers. They're, so now it's not the cop, now it's Bob and Mikey and Jim. Hey, I'll see you there next year. And again, I've made it traditional in the fact that it's every November 10th from noon till it closes. It's not the first Monday of November. No, no, it's every November 10th. That way there's no, well, last year you did it on a C-shift, and this year's on C-shift again. No, it's November 10th. If it lands on my shift, I still got to get the day off. Yep. If if I pass 30 years down the road, you don't need me there to continue the tradition. All you got to do is bring a cake. Show up. And show up. That's it. That's as awesome. long as Duffy's is there, the tradition continues. That's awesome. You know? Yeah, man. And some of the guys, uh, there's an older gentleman that attends. He had some signs made that say Tons Tavern South. They have them 
They have it in the front. And oh, the really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 1937. Yeah. Which is the same year that Station 3 was started. Get out of here. For yes. real? Yeah. The department was started in 1935. Station 3 has been around since 1937. Wow. And I didn't know this because I would always wonder why is Station 3 such a monumental station yeah. that everybody wants to come by and visit. And yeah. At one point, three was headquarters. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't know that either. As much as I think I know history of the department. Three was headquarters and then three moved the headquarters moved from three to station thirteen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Where support is. Yeah. And um then from there it moved to Doral when they bought the building from either Pan Am or Eastern. I don't remember who it was. But even that. after it moved to Station 13, because everybody was so used to going to 3 and turning and bringing in the paperwork and having coffee, the guys from 13 will still come, or headquarters will still come to 3 and say what's up to the guys. And it's still traditional today. The back patio, whether we're on a call or not, it's always full of retirees. Yeah, every, everybody's by, always hey. coming through there. That's cool, man. I love it. It's like, a, I tell people it's like a, it's like an airport terminal. <laughs> Revolving never, door. <laughs> it's never empty. No. There's always somebody coming through. Yeah, it's true. You know? That's awesome. So I wanted to touch on the, um, so I know we talked about Surfside, and and do you do you feel that a lot of our guys and girls got affected negatively from it? Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of our guys or girls, um, are going to be affected. It's not going to it's not going to be to I think later on. I think sometimes the further the further you get from a situation, the more it resonates. Yeah. It's like uh sometimes death, we we are in denial and then with time it becomes a reality and it sinks in more. That's why I talk I think Speaking and talking about it with your peers and your and whoever's close to you, even right. a therapist, it goes such a long way. Yeah. Um, and people don't, people that that didn't have that during this isolation and COVID times didn't have that, and that's why the ramifications are happening now. Yeah. It happened in the beginning too, the mental health, but I think that's that's more important, I think, than and then any virus. The other thing that doesn't help is watching the news twenty four seven. Never. And they're shoving. You can't. It's too biased. It's fake. I, I, I don't need it. You, you know can't. what? If it's that important, eventually I'll find out from somebody else. Yeah, they're pushing their own yeah. opinions. Even though, I don't. You can't. I don't. I don't have time. Ain't nobody got time for. When that. they put it on the station, I turn it off. Yeah. It's like, guys, come on. There's yeah. no reason. Yeah. Put something else on. Yeah. Or go watch it in the back patio. I don't want to hear. It. It's not helping you. And it's not like, you you look at the news. It's not like they put feel good stories. It's all negative stuff. It's already been proven somebody that somebody got shot, somebody got killed, somebody got raped, somebody got, you know, became the victim of a theft. It's never, you know, uh, you know, like I remember I watched a uh, uh, a story on on Facebook of a teacher I think in North Carolina. He he taught the kids how to behave so they wouldn't wind up in trouble and taught them how to do a tie and 
each kid had their own shake with him and that's not on the news. No. It's only negative stuff that's going to pit us against each other and I don't have time for that. Yeah. It's even so I mean we always I always talk about this on all my podcasts even with social media. Yeah. You have to use it as a tool to your benefit and not use it as your news source cuz it's not a fucking news source. Exactly. That's why I told you I don't open up my stuff to everybody no. because then you get to you know people trolling you and yeah. people putting stuff and now you're getting in an argument with this guy that you don't even know yeah. because some of us are so concerned about being you know social media famous no. I want to be a source for the people that I care about. Yeah. So I want to help the people that I care about. Um, and I don't want drama. Yeah. You know, yeah. at my age, I'm I'm on the, the downward slope of the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy it. I don't want. <laughs> I heard somebody talking about this recently when they got, they turned 50 years old. It's like, man, my whole life, he's like, I never knew how to dance, but now I just got to the dance and I kind of know, but it's almost over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but also too, like I just learned when, when you get in your fifties, you become filterless. But it's more fun. It has to be yeah, more fun because it's it's like you know it's like the shirt, uh, that company zero fucks given. You do not care really what people think say. Not that I cared in in the past, but you care even less. Yeah, and it's like a different the clarity. Stuff that's really important becomes even more important because you have more knowledge and you realize what's really important. Yeah, it's crazy. To me, what's important is that the people that are important to you are happy. Yeah, and if they're not, you figure out a way to make them happy. Mm -hmm. And if they don't make you happy, get rid of them. Yeah. It's like cancer. Yeah. Negative people are like cancer. Get rid of them. Out. Bye. I'm I'm not telling you, like, pick a fight with every person that you don't agree with. No, because then you're going to be miserable, too. But don't invest time in people that don't deserve it. In your opinion, do you think you can change a negative person or have you ever? I... I take negative people like personal projects mm -hmm. because now I'm intrigued. Why is this person like this? Yeah. And I got to at least attempt to find out. If I try and it doesn't work, then okay, at least I tried. Because I think most people started off good. Most people yeah. started off good and something in life, turn them negative. Yeah. Either they've been hurt or they've been betrayed. And, again, this is – I love to use this method of thinking because DJ, my partner, taught me this, and it's true. Life is like boiling water. Some of us are eggs and some of us are potatoes. And when people – you mm. tell them, they're like, what does that mean? Okay, what happens to an egg when you put it into boiling water? It boils. It becomes fragile. Hard-boiled no, egg. It gets hard. Well, the outside gets hard. In the, yeah. It gets hard. And those are the people. Those are the survivors. Those are the victors. Oh, okay, okay. I got okay? it. Okay? They turned something <laughs> negative 
into a lesson and to something positive. Now you put a potato into boiling water, Soft. it disintegrates. It turns into caca. What a, okay? I like that, man. That's awesome. Those are the victims. Those are the ones that that you know, the woe is me, you know, feel sorry for me. No. The world doesn't feel sorry for you. Yeah. So why should you expect others to feel sorry? It's like I tell my kids. I go, from that threshold out there, it's an ugly, cruel world. They don't care that you're a kid. They don't care that you're cute. They don't, no. They might hate you because you're cute. Yep. They don't care. There's a lot of people out there that are willing to harm you whether you deserve it or not. Mm-hmm. So you got to wake up and smell the coffee or you're going to be, you're either the prey or the predator. So you better wake up. See what this shirt says? Never a victim. Always a victor. Hi, there you go. That's Never what a victim. we're just talking about. You know, everybody's, everybody's had, at one point or another, everybody's had something negative happen in their life. But like the saying goes, everything is a lesson or a blessing. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, my father was raised a certain way because mm-hmm. that's the way it was. And he continued that path because he thought that's the way it was. Yeah. So there was things that I wanted from him as a father that I didn't get because he can't give me something that he didn't know. Yeah, exactly. So what did I do? I became the father to my kids that I wanted him to be to me. Yeah. Because I chose to be the victor. Exactly. If I chose to be the victim, then I would have continued the same path that my dad laid for me to my kids. Because there's some some people, uh, it's like my dad. Well, I'm not going to get you a car because nobody got me a car. So you're going to punish me because you got punished? Exactly. Why not think, okay, I have the ability to make your life a little bit easier than mine. Let me do it. And explain to you. Explain exactly. to you why. So it's like how. my kids, when they're old enough to drive, I'm going to help you with a car, but I ain't going to buy you a Mercedes. Yeah. I'm going to buy you a, beat, uh, a beater because you're eventually going to beat it up. <laughs> and then when you're old enough to buy your own car, you buy your own. Yeah. If I give you... A Mercedes from the get-go, you're never going to appreciate Mercedes because you never had to struggle for it. Yeah. You got to struggle. You have to a struggle in order to appreciate things. And that's, but that's why you're the, you're the father that you are and the mentor that you are because you know what's needed to harden and make a man. Right. You know? And, and you know, when you're trying to teach them these things, at a, at a certain point, they think, why is my dad so hard on me? Why is he, you know, why is he messing with me? But as they start to realize and see the world develop around them, and now they're the milk, not the cornflake. Yeah, exactly. Because milk is soft and fluid, but it weakens the cornflake, doesn't it? Yep. All right. Yeah. Cornflake, you step on it, it goes. <laughs> all right. But the milk is like water. Be like water, be like, be like sleep, water, baby. Be like milk. And they see that. Because of the way that I've raised them, they are not soft like a lot of these other kids. They're like, Dad, thank you for teaching me that. And thank you thank you for uh, teaching me how to have a conversation. You know, that's another place that's great 
to raise boys. Take them to the barbershop. They learn so many things at the barbershop. They're just all talking shit. It's awesome. It's just like that. You know, like the movie Barbershop? Yeah. A lot of that occurs. Obviously, there's a little difference between a uh, 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 Cuban barbershop and a black barbershop. It's different. Yeah. It's different. Uh, different words, different you know, music, the way they say stuff. Yeah. Different ways of handling certain things, but pretty much it's the same, the goal. same yeah. scenario. Same scenario. Okay. So. Uh, what do they learn? Room. They learn interaction between males with each other. And that's important. They learn, okay, my dad jokes with this guy, but he doesn't joke with this guy. So that teaches you you can't joke with everybody the same. You have to learn your audience. What are your, absolutely. They see how if a pretty girl walks in front of the barbershop, how the guys look. <laughs> and they kind of, oh, my God, look at the booty on that, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know? Uh, they learn... How to behave with other males. They learn, um, you know, how we joke with each other, uh, how we greet each other. Um, my sons, if I'm in the barbershop, let's say I'm on the phone because uh, Luigi's selling 52 shirts and I'm on the phone and I'm not paying attention. And a lady walks in, they automatically already know. They get up and give the chair for that lady. That's great. We go to Disney and we're on the uh, the monorail, the monorail or the the bus, the shuttle bus. Yeah, yeah. There's a lady. It's happened before. Pregnant, standing up, while you have a whole bunch of men sitting down. They're like, "No, ma'am, here, sit in my chair." That's huge. Right there, I wanna, I want my chest to explode of the pride. Yeah, you should. Because of the things that I've taught them, it's starting to stick. And a lot of times, because they're comfortable around you, they'll exhibit behavior that they know you don't tolerate, but they're comfortable with you, so they'll try to see what they can get away with. Yeah. But it's not till you run into other people, and they're like, your kids are so well-mannered. Your kids are such gentlemen. Your kids are so helpful. And I'm like, and it's like, where's that kid at my house that I have to be telling, hey, put your clothes in the freaking... In the in the laundry basket and and put the the seat up. Don't piss on the seat <laughs> and do the dishes. But stop taking a long shower. Right. right yeah. Stop, stop wasting all the conditioner. You ain't got no hair. <laughs> but but it's not till you run into people that they're not comfortable around and they applaud their behavior. Yeah, that's the truth. Or, or when you you're not embarrassed to take them in, in into public. Because they're not gonna embarrass you by misbehaving or doing, you know, stupid stuff. That's awesome, Rob. Plus, they know you're not gonna tolerate that. Yeah. You know, and and, one, and if you're on them from when they're little, it's gonna get to a point where they're gonna be tired of you being all up in their shit all the time. And they're like, okay, this is my dad is not going to deviate from the plan. Let me do what he asked me to do. And they'll thank you. Like you said, your no, kids are already they'll, they're thanking you. I'm thankful to my dad. When I went to the Marines, the Marines was was a joke compared to living with my dad. My dad was like a like a drill sergeant. Everything okay? Yeah, yeah no. You know me. I'm hypervigilant. <laughs> if somebody drives by my house slow, I'm already looking to see what the vehicle looks exactly. like. Exactly. I'm the same way. <laughs> uh, you know? Uh, but my dad, like... I remember being in, in boot camp 
and guys would pee in their pants because the drill instructor yelled at them too loud. And in my mind, all I had to do was close my eyes and think, all right, I screwed up. My dad's jumping in my shit. Yeah. Uh, the physical part, I was 17 years old. Nothing's going to hurt I you. Was, I mean, no hurt, but. Right, but I was, I've was. i always been physical. Yeah. I know you're looking at me. You're like, hey, with that gut, you ain't no physical. Yeah, dude, listen, you're an animal, dude. <laughs> Say what you want. You're 50 years old. You're but, a monster. But um, because of. He was hard on me. Hard situations weren't that hard. Yeah. And when I was able to write my first letter home, it was to him to thank him for being hard on me as a, as a as a young boy. Wow. And developing me into the person that I am today. You know, he was on me so much that that's why I'm the way that I am at work. I don't want... If tomorrow you get promoted and you become my lieutenant, I don't want you to have to come tell me, hey, Ortega, today's windows. You didn't do the windows. Yeah. Hey, Ortega, you got to do your target suits. No. I got enough of that from my dad as a kid. And he trained me to the point where I do things the way they're supposed to get done so nobody has to tell me shit. Yeah. Because I got tired of him being in my ear and telling me what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I already had enough of that as a child. Yep. I don't want it now. Yeah, man, absolutely. And that's that's a part that comes with. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. You got me at a loss for words, Rob. Responsibility. I guess becoming a man, yeah. in a sense. I mean, just being. I mean, it, there's so many facets to it, and I said that word already, but it's just it's just so so many facets to being. We got time, right? Around, yeah. I got, I'm got. gonna, I'm gonna share something with you. Go ahead. Your podcasters might enjoy. Yeah, I let's really hear. enjoyed it because my barber's, my barber is, and I'm gonna give him a shout out just in case one day he he listens to it. His name is Rachel Pimienta. Okay. Awesome. Pimienta is uh, pepper in Spanish. Yeah. Okay. He is a rafter. Uh huh. But he isn't your typical rafter. He is a rafter that was trapped in the old days of today, if that makes any sense. He's he's young, but he has very old school values. Yeah, which is very important. Okay. Um, and a lot of the old school Cubans. He has the old school tra- Cuban tradition yeah. in him. And he's also very wise at a young age. Um I remember when I first met him, I think he was like 25 years old. And I was still driving the Red Baron, my old Honda Civic. Uh-huh. And I told him, look, you see that vehicle right there? That car is, like, back then, I think it was like 17 years. I said, I could get a new car. But if that one's working, why am I going to put myself in a bracket where I'm not going to be able to enjoy pizza with my kids or take them to Disney. Yeah, exactly. Learn learn to live within your means. Yep. When you get to this country from Cuba or anywhere else and they know you're new, they start throwing credit cards at you. Yep. And eventually you're going to grab one and you're going to wind up in debt because you want to keep up with the Joneses and now you become a slave to that credit card. Yeah, absolutely. Don't do it. Live within your means, and eventually you're going to be able to breathe and you're going to get and have everything that you want. Mm-hmm. Okay? Unlike being in Cuba, 
Here you can work as hard as you want, and you're going to see the fruits of your labor. Over there, you you're don't. not going to see it, and people no. don't know that. People exactly. don't understand. So, and me and him have always gone along because we have a very similar um, mentality. way of mentality and the way we approach problems. So, but he sent me something because he knew I was going to enjoy it, and it's right up my alley. Can you say the whole thing in, in Spanish first and then say it in English? You want me to say it in Spanish, and then it's pretty Absol- long. Yeah, whatever's okay. easier, because don't... Because I've heard this. I heard you say it. I don't want to hear it again. But if okay. you say the whole thing in Spanish, and then can right. you translate to English? Right. I'll do it. It's not It's it's not super long. Here, let me put my glasses because I can't see. Because <laughs> that's what happens when you get old. All right. So, en una reunión familiar, un joven le preguntó a sus padres, tíos y abuelos cómo pudieron vivir antes sin TV, sin Wi-Fi, sin tecnología, sin Internet, sin computadoras, sin drones, sin Bitcoin, sin celulares, sin Facebook, sin Twitter, sin YouTube, sin WhatsApp, sin Messenger, sin Instagram. Entonces, en medio de toda la familia, el abuelo toma la palabra y les respondió, pues mira, querido nieto, Igual que tu generación vive hoy sin oraciones, sin dignidad, sin compasión, sin vergüenza, sin fe, sin honor, sin lealtad, sin respeto, sin valores, sin personalidad, sin noción de compromiso, sin el yo interior, sin carácter, sin condimento, sin ideales, sin amor propio, sin humanidad, sin modestía, sin virtudes, sin honra, sin propósito. Sin ese no sé qué, sin esencia, sin metas, sin fortaleza interior, sin alma, sin identidad. Cuando muchos de ustedes ni saben si, si son hombres o mujeres. Nosotros las personas nacidas entre los años 1900 a 1920 a 1970 somos bendiciones y nuestra vida es gran prueba viviente. Después de la escuela Primero los deberes y recién salíamos a la calle a jugar. Jugábamos con amigos de verdad, no amigos virtuales del internet. Solíamos crear nuestros propios juguetes y jugar con ellos. Nuestros padres no eran ricos. Ellos nos dieron y enseñaron amor, no materiales mundanos. Nunca tuvimos celulares, laptops, DVDs, PlayStation, Xbox, videojuegos, computadoras, personales, internet. Pero sí tuvimos amigos de verdad. Los familiares vivían cerca para disfrutar el tiempo en familia. Es posible que hayamos estado en fotos en blanco y negro. Pero puedes con encontrar recuerdos muy coloridos en esas fotos. Somos una, una generación única y más comprensiva porque somos la última generación que escuchó a sus padres y también primera que tuvo que escuchar a sus hijos. Somos una bendición limitada. Disfruta y atesora. Aprende de la ayer. All right, here comes the translation. All right. In a family reunion, a young boy asked his parents, uncles, and grandparents, how were you able to live without TV? Wi-Fi, technology, internet, computers, drones, bitcoins, cellulars, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, WhatsApp, Messenger, Instagram. Then within 
within all this conversation, the grandfather took the liberty of answering his question. Well, my young grandson, just like your generation, today lives without, without prayer, without dignity, without compassion, without shame, without faith, without honor, without loyalty, without respect, without values, without personality, with, without the notion of compromise, with, without the interior eye, without character, without condiment, without ideals, without self-love, without humanity, modesty, without virtue, without purpose, without I don't know what, without essence, without methods, without interior strength, without soul, without an identity, when a lot of you don't know if you're men or women. We, uh, the persons that were born within the years of 1920 to 1970, we are uh, a uh, blessing in our lives and a, and a and grand proof of grand living proof. After school, first it was our chores, and then we would go out and play. Uh, we would play with real friends, not virtual friends on the Internet. We created our own toys and played with them. Uh, our parents weren't rich, but they showed us love and non-material objects. We never had laptops, DVDs, PlayStations, Xbox, video games, computers, uh, internet, but we had friends and friends that were real. The family lived close so that we can enjoy each other's company. It was, it was possible to see pic some of our pictures in black and white, but if you look carefully, there's a lot of color in those pictures. Uh, we were uh, a generation like no other, very comprehensive, and we were the last generation to listen to our parents and also listen to our children. We are a limited edition, uh, enjoy and cherish and learn from the past. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love it, and I've shared it every time I get a chance. I know. That's why I I heard you say it because on. It's a lot of the qualities of the men of yesterday that are being lost little by little, and unless we plant that seed in our children, they're gonna be lost, exactly. and we're gonna be a bunch of savages like we are today. You know, they, nobody, there's pockets of light. Yeah, and it's and it's up to the like I said we said previous in the podcast earlier. It's it's up to the parents and it's up to men. It's okay for men to be masculine because that's part of us. Like you said well, in a barbershop, okay. see how men act. Right. And that's fine. And if you you if you want to be gay, cool. You could still be a you're a man still. And men, gay dudes can be masculine. Exactly. And people forget that. So you, you, in in the you know you're and, still a man. It's, you fucking and, step up and lead. And it's also a reality not every male is masculine. And that's and that's, that's just how just it is. the way it yeah. is. It's not it's not a criticism and it's not it's just like not every male is an alpha male. Exactly. We we all have our places in the pack and whatever place in the pack 
you have been dealt with, cherish it and be the best at that position. Yeah. Um, not all of us are going to be leaders. Not all of us are going to be followers. Not all of us are into service. You know, you have to, the worst thing in life is to try on a, a, a position that doesn't, it's not designed for you. Yeah. Things that are forced are never good. Things that are rushed are never good. No. But things that are accepted and cherished are great. It's like not all of us are meant to be officers. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You know, some of us have to stay firemen because either that's what we're good at, that's what we're comfortable at. Or that's what we like. And that's what you like. Yeah, I mean... You know, sometimes you play a bigger role being in that position. It's like I tell guys, don't ever get promoted because of money. Because you're not going to be happy. No, you're not. I really don't think so. Or some guys, oh, I got to get promoted because I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Somebody's always going to be telling you what to do. Yeah, you're going to. The only guy that doesn't answer to nobody is God. That's it. You're going to answer. Everybody else answers to somebody. Yeah, man. Absolutely. The president of the United States answers to us. Yeah. Whether he thinks he's above the law. Ultimately, he does. To a, yeah. Uh, what if we there's decide enough of to us. tolerate is one it, thing. It's up to us. We'll, if we have enough of us that are like-minded and we we don't want to tolerate something, it's not going to be tolerated. No. It's like I sometimes people tell me, no, because I could look, as long as we have God, and Marines on this planet, I'm not worried about nothing. <laughs> I love it. Because Marines, we're a smaller branch, and I'm not ragging on anybody who's not a Marine. I know you're not, and they know you're because not. Because we all need each other to complete the mission. But there's something special about being a United States Marine that unless you're a Marine, you're not going to understand it. It's just, just like... Being a, being a senior man is a sacrifice and a choice. Or like, look, one of my buddies, um, Mike Brown, he's he's a guy that I value in my life, and I speak to him about a lot of different subjects. And he's like, Rob, being a Marine is a lifestyle. Yeah. It's a lifestyle that you choose to follow. You know? Um, we... And, and, that same conversation where we were talking about the whole kneeling thing with the NFL, and he goes, you know what? You know why I didn't get bothered? Because we paid the price for them to be able to kneel. Wow. I'm not gonna I love it. it. I go, I, I got really upset. But yeah, obviously, I'm a little bit, I guess, overly passionate. But I did comprehend the fact that I can't go and – jump on you because you kneeled because then that would go against everything that I did. I I this I took an oath to defend this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I sacrificed just like every other man that sacrificed and served in this country for you to be able to kneel. And that's part of freedom and whether it, people are forgetting it, it. Whether I agreed to it or not, not. It's your right. It's your right. And I may and not like it. That's a hard pill to swallow, but that's the difference between tyranny 
communists and America. People forget that, man. And that's a huge, huge deal right now. You pull that in any other country in this world, and you'll be answering to certain people. You're dead or you're going to jail. Yeah. Come on, dude. Just like, uh, you know, you know, let's go, Brandon. Yeah. You can't do that anywhere else. No. No. And, 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 and we're fighting now to not have this stripped away from us. Right. Because it's the beginnings of it. It's not, we're not going to see it in our lifetime. It's like chopping it, down it, a tree. It's for my kids. It's right. for their kids. I don't want this bullshit. And that's why we have to stand up as parents, stand up as men and women. But I say men because I'm a man. And I feel like we need to stand up through social media, through our communities, get in positions of power and preach the truth. Be truthful. You know, I I hope we can encourage other men and women to step up and be truthful because that's really what our world needs. And it's unfortunate that people are pushing biases and agendas and opinions, strong opinions, way too strong. Just preach the truth, man. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I hope the little listeners that I have, I hope everybody, you know, people step up in their own way, starting in their in their homes. The and truth so- will set you free. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Rob, we're getting so deep. And it's we can go on forever, but I want to go. She in, said. I want to go into Cuban slang. Okay. I'm not going to cut any quarters. Okay. Give me some funny Cuban slang. I love, you've done these posts before, and I know yeah. people have seen I, it. I stopped because I figured, how much more can I teach you guys? I think I've taught you I don't everything. care. It's, well, I want to see it. I'll, I'll kick it up again. I, I took it a break because I felt like, you know, like when you do something because you feel like you got to, then it doesn't Then it's not fun, fun anymore. anymore. Yeah. yeah. I'll give it a break, and we'll bring it back. You have anything in mind right and now? And I was doing it with my son. Yeah. Which he got into it, and his bloopers were funny. So, um, you have anything off the top of your head? It's like the stuff that that Cubans come up with. Like only a Cuban can come up with the the word "monstro," which is a monster, <laughs> to describe a hot woman. <laughs> Brody, tu viste ese monstro? You see oh, that monster? Yeah, is did that- you see that monster? Wow, you know, or go go. Like it'll, you know, like uh, there's a when 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 you wanna say that I'm in, you say yo le parto brazo, which means I'll break her arms. How did that? <laughs> you know, I, I'm all in. I'll break her arms. How does that relate? And it's funny because it's like everything, every. The terms that we use or that humans use in our slang doesn't exactly mean what it's saying. No, I noticed that. Like when you say come pinga. So what's it? Come pinga is is cock and come (laughs) is eat. But you're not a dick eater. You're, you know, you're a jack off. You're an asshole. You're an idiot. You know, and, and. Different words can mean the same thing. It's like the word, uh, it's like damn yeah. in English. Uh, us is coño. Coño is like wow, damn, ouch. It can mean a million things. And it's a lot of it has to do is with the situation and the expression. 
you know, uh, I got like for her, go, go, go. for example, if <laughs> if you nail yourself with a hammer on your finger and you say cojones, <laughs> it, cojones means testicles, <laughs> but it, it can mean ouch, damn, fuck, uh, you know, or like if you tell somebody. Uh, para pinga. Okay. That means go to the dick. But you're really not telling him go to the dick. You're telling him get the fuck out of here. Fuck, go fuck yourself. Get the fuck out of here. What about when you're going somewhere that's far? Like if you're going to a call out of territory? Right. And you say, eso está en casa la pinga. Which means that's in the house of the dick. But it really means that's far as fuck. You know? My, one of my favorites is uh, botacaca. <laughs> <laughs> So explain to them what that is and use it in a sentence, please. Botacaca is is to describe like a really big booty, you know. But bota is to get rid of, and caca is shit. So you know, <laughs> it's like that. a uh, or or some people say uh, una caja peo, which is a fart box. You know, I can't. You I know, put the mic down <laughs> because I'm gonna. It, it's it, Cubans are. Are funny people. Botacaca is a shit thrower. They're right? funny. <laughs> they're funny. They're passionate. They're um, genuine. They're uh, we're very similar in the Caribbean, like Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Cubans. But Cubans are like on a on a on a page all of their own. Yeah. The closest thing, and, and even then, we're different. But the, to me, the closest thing to a Cuban, I've always said, is an Italian. Really? We talk with our hands. We're violent. We're passionate. <laughs> we love food. We love family. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, you know, you had uh, you had the godfather on the Italian side. You had Tony Montana on the Cuban side. Yeah, right. We're very similar. You want to you wanna trap uh, an Italian or a Cuban? Tie their hands. They can't talk. <laughs> You know, that's why I'm telling you. We use a lot of slang, you know, dude. My my family, the slang that comes out. I'm going to tell you this one. There's one phrase that always is etched in my mind because I found out the definition of it. If some kid's doing something bad, like a little kid or whatever, you know, my kisfachim. You know what that means? That means you are the sperm that leaked out of your mother's vagina. (laughs) It's like like that. Just is etched in my brain when I heard that definition. Like holy shit! <laughs> wow, that's and it deep. gets it gets worse. Yeah, what's the other one? No, um, there's so many ones about about, it, about penis with Cubans. Oh my god! Like everything surrounded with penis, like or with, whatever, like a pipe. What's or rebar? What's the definition? Like cavilla. Cavilla. What do you? But they also relate to like, oye, mira como tengo la cavilla. <laughs> you know. Every something, anything hard and long <laughs> is is related to the penis for whatever reason. Then, what about tranca? What's that tranca? Penis. Tranca is like yeah, a, the, the, uh, penis. Yeah. What's the exact definition? Like, is there like a, a definition of it? Una tranca. I don't know. What or you just know it as a slang term. It's just a slang term, man. Everything is. <laughs> you know, what? we were in the gym the other day at the station, and my buddy Rich goes over to Adrian. He goes. <laughs> Goes and smacks his biceps fucking around. He goes, Mira Mandaria. Mandaria. You know what a Mandaria is, right? A sledgehammer. A right? Sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, everything's exaggerated. Everything's yeah. excessive. Yeah. Uh, 
Mira como tengo los machetes. Anything referring to the arms, machete. No, estás hecho un caballo. You know, you're a horse. Is a horse. You're a horse. You're a horse. O estás hecho un tigre, o estás hecho un león. Everything is super masculine, super exaggerated, in excess. Everything in the Cuban language and 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 our slang is exaggerated which is how we are you know very <laughs> loud exaggerated in in overflowing yeah you know it's but funny too but dude know? it's hilarious when i hear cubans talk my like when we go to on a call it's hysteria and it, it, it and it's just that's, the, that's them talking and i don't understand spanish very very little so when When our guys are talking to them, I'm like, what's going on? Nah, she's just upset about the blood pressure. Oh, my God. It's like when you go to a call. I remember it used to happen to me with Dunnigan at 58. He's like, Rob, can you tell me what they're saying? I go, bro, you got to go through the whole story <laughs> from when they came from It's Cuba in 1932. And I'm getting there. I'm getting in a second. I got you. Dude. It's never a clear and concise yes or no. It's, you know, wow. Like today, look, this morning we had a call and it. No, because when I was a kid and I used to get this and I couldn't ride on the rides and my stomach would get, uh, what does that have to do with what's going on right now? I need, or yesterday we had a call and oh, the lady was... obviously had fluids and like, but how long, you know, how long was he feeling like as well? Uh, no, but it wasn't since yet. How long? An hour, 10 minutes, two hours, yesterday, a week. They can't. It takes them so long to give you a concise, simple answer. You know, and you're like, if frustrates, and I go, if I'm Cuban, and it frustrates me, I can't im imagine what it does to the guys that work with me that have no clue, <laughs> because there's still people in this country that do not know where Cuba is, what a Cuban is. No, they all think. Oh, you guys are all Mexicans. No. <laughs> Cuba. You remember Ricky Ricardo? That's a Cuban. You know Tony Montana? That's a Cuban. Yeah. Or there's people that think that all Cubans are dark. Because they'll tell me, Ortega, you got light eyes. Why? But you're Cuban. I go, well, hello. You know history? Yeah. We're descendants of the Spaniards, Europe, fair skin, light eyes. Mm -hmm. The color came from the slaves and the Indigenous, original Cuban, the Tainos were dark skinned um, Native Americans. Yeah. Or not Native, Native Cubans. Americans. They were, they were Native indigenous. of the island. They were indigenous. They were indigenous. They were tan, uh, indigenous looking. They mixed with, you know, with the, with the, with the Europeans, uh, with the Europeans black. Europeans and the blacks. And then when Cuba was Cuba, that Cuba was booming. A lot of people migrated to Cuba from all over the world. Lebanese, Jewish, Chinese, obviously. Russian. Chinese are, right? Anywhere that was work, the Chinese were going to be there because they were in Cuba. They were here because of the railroads. They were in Panama because of the canal. Uh, you know, you had Russians. You had, you know, every single thing you could think of. You had the Americans that were in the military in Guantanamo Bay and fell in love with the Cubans and stayed there. Um, the stories are endless. Yeah. You know, you, you line up here in a department, 20 Cubans on the department. All look different. They're all different. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, that's what I love about Cuba. All my Cuban buddies, right. everybody, dude. But not everybody. It's great. It's like they don't know it. It's like I, I live example, it, so I live in it. Now with the collapse, okay. You and your mind, your ignorant mind, has an image of what you think somebody's supposed to look like. Like, like uh, when the collapse, the Israelis that came to help, you know, look over, you know, what was going on. You think the Israelis look a certain way. The colonel that was in charge of the group yeah. kind of reminded me of you. Yeah. He had, like, your tan, you know, that olive, typical olive uh, Italian skin. Yeah. The only thing he had light eyes. He was about your height. Nothing what I thought an Israeli would look like. And then yeah. you have Wonder Woman. She's Israeli. I thought she was Colombian. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, then you had another girl in the group with reddish hair. Another guy that looked like Ed Sheeran, the singer. Really? Red hair. So you're like, damn, how ignorant was I to think that Israelis looked a certain way. Yeah. They're not. No. And there's just like we have, you know, migration here in this country, there's migration to to Israel. Yeah. Or like I remember when we had the Saudis that were visiting that were here at the station. Yes, I remember those guys. You know, the guy that we had, Omar, Omar was of Nigerian descent. No shit. That their family moved to Saudi Arabia. Wow. So you think, oh no, they have immigrants too. Yeah. So it's it proves to you how ignorant we are as humans, and 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 stereotyping or believing, you know. Yeah, we stereotype a lot. Everybody because does. we don't. A lot of us, instead of learning from the things like you, you've been intrigued being around us. Like when we were at forty, being around a lot of Cubans. Yeah. You wanted to learn about them, and now you love Cuban coffee <laughs> because come on you took advantage of a new world yeah. that was introduced to you. Some people criticize or fear the unknown. Yeah. If I meet somebody from a different place, I want to learn. Yeah. Why are you the way that you are? What are your traditions? What yeah. do you eat? What's your music? Dude, I went to go ahead, I'm sorry. That's why I guess I consider myself cultural because yeah. it Absolutely. intrigues me. Mm-hmm. And I guess I love history. It's part of history. Um like my kids, my kids are half Panamanian descent, half Cuban descent, mm-hmm. and then my 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 roots go even further to, like especially on my dad's side from the Canary Islands, which is they belong to Spain, but they're off the coast of Africa, mm-hmm. and they think that they're separate from Spain. They think they're better than everybody, <laughs> but it's a very it's a very strong uh group of people yeah is people from the canary islands are i don't know what the hell's in that water i don't know if it's the volcanic ash is something about people from the canary islands that in spanish they call them lojileño what's that they're very ileños is isla is island yeah so ileño is somebody that comes from an island gotcha so people from the Canary Islands in Cuba, they referred to them as Ileños. And it, los Ileños are very, uh, their health is great. Just their a hearty spirit person. spirit is great. Um, my dad, bro, my dad is going to be 90 in April. Awesome. 
he comes here and he doesn't have a hunch really? on his back. Wow, he awesome. walks perfectly straight. Um his mind is is super clear. Uh bro, and he still he'll sit down and talk to me about his grandfather, his grandmother, and all the kids and the dates and the stuff. And my grandfather came from the Canary Islands when he was 31 years old and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, how can you retain all that Yeah, for so many years? And still, it's this, if you talk, you spark the conversation with him, it's the same conversation. It's not like he's losing it and, you know, my dad's going to be 90. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. You know? It's genetics, man. It's just, just genetics where, where he grew up, and it's crazy. Yeah. Bob, we're almost two hours in. We're an hour and 56 Damn. minutes. We've talked a lot of mierda. Dude, people are going to love it, though, man. They're going to love to hear what you have to well, say. I, I think a lot of people love things that aren't scripted. Yeah. When it's scripted and you feel like, you're just pulling shit out of your ass. People lose interest. But when it's real and it's genuine, you can feel it. Yeah, man. I was, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I haven't had a podcast like this. And I tell you, happy. I'm like, very happy with this. I, if you put every time I've been in, in front of a group of recruits and I've been able to share my story and my passion for the job, none of them are the same. No. Because, I might have forgotten this in this conversation, yeah. but I may have introduced this that's more important. I try to cover everything, but it's never in the same order. No. Because not. I speak from my heart. I don't speak from my culo. Yeah. <laughs> like some people that we know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm absolutely. Not say names because that wouldn't be nice. No, of course not. But it's nice to be able to. To read sincerity through people's eyes, which are the soul or the mirror of your soul. Yeah. That's what they say. That's why. Go ahead. So when people talk to you that it's genuine, that it's real, it's, it's, um, it's very pleasant. Yeah. Because it's important. There's nothing that I hate more than to have a conversation with somebody and I'm, (laughs) they've already lost me because I can see the shit's spewing through their eyes yeah. because it's fake. Yeah. I, I hate fake people. Yeah. Yeah. I hate you it. can't. I can it tolerate sucks. them because I want to play nice. and Yeah. But deep down inside, you lost me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was adamant. I was like, and you were too. I want to do this podcast with you in person. I was like, I can't do this shit over the phone. No. I did a podcast recently with my buddy over the phone, my best friend, yeah. over the phone, and I wasn't happy with it. Because I was like, dude, I could talk to this guy about anything. And I felt like I was asking him questions. You can't ask my friend questions. We just talk. Yeah. That's how you get things out. That's why when I came into this one, I did one with my wife as well the other day. She's been through a lot. So we covered a lot of ground. We had a great show. And I was like, and this whole podcast thing is a learning, progress, a learning right. process well, for me. I'm, I'm, I'm just starting to try to figure it out so I can benefit from your podcast and all the other Great podcast. Oh, there's so many great around. ones. Awesome ones. Uh, I mean, like, my introduction to what a podcast was, and one of my favorite, because I guess it was my first, was the episode of Jocko with Good. Oh, yeah? Which, it's funny that I, that's how I am. You yeah. Know? You, try to, you try to push past things, 
But when I feel like I'm pushing too hard, I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe there's a reason why this isn't happening. Maybe God wants me to go the other way. Yeah. Maybe there's a reason why he's stopping me from going this way. So that good is a lot like I think. I'm like, okay, whatever happens, happens. You know? Uh, it's it's like now with whatever we're going we're going through now and the threat of some of us having to walk away from the job that we love. Yeah. <clears throat> But if it gets to that point, then I'm thinking maybe God has bigger plans for me. Absolutely. Maybe the fire service was just a stepping stone for me. It could have been a season. You know? A season of life. And so that's it. that happens. I'm not going to fight it. No. You know, I'm going to go where he wants me to go. And people can say, oh, you know, People don't believe in religion, but there is, there is things that happen for reasons and whatever you want to call it. And we call it God. You can call it whatever you want. If you're a chick and you say the universe, that's cool too. <laughs> you, the universe is pointing me at here. Hey, man, it's the universe. It's God. It shit happens. I look at reasons. it this way. Go ahead. Okay, I look at it this way. Some people might think, salut. Salud. It's number fifty-five. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, and that's that's you know what? It's funny that you talk about Cuban coffee. We'll talk about that later, but um I look at I tell people, okay, so let's say if for whatever chance we get to the other side and God's not there. Mm -hmm. Okay. What did I lose by trying to be Christ like and be a good person? Nothing. Nothing. You gained, if anything. I gained. Uh, uh, I put myself on a journey trying to reach a certain goal. And by reaching that goal, it made me a better person. Mm -hmm. I helped more people. I learned a lot. Because at 52 years of age, I'm still looking for ways to better myself. That's why I love the whole podcast world. Because you learn from other people's experiences. Absolutely. And for me, the podcast is more digestible than reading a book because my ADHD, I start to read three pages and I forgot what I read. Yeah. Unless it's something that I really, really sucks me in. It's very few and far between okay. with that, though. But a podcast, Books. you can listen to that while you're going to work. You can listen to it while you're running. You can listen to it. It's like an audiobook. Yeah. It's a little bit easier for you to digest. And have access to it's a and it's have a, access. I love everything that has to be with that has to do with motivation. Yeah, and, and warriors and I'm 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 all up in that. Yeah, I could watch three hundred three hundred times <laughs> and Braveheart and Patriot <laughs> and call me a sucker for believing in something or believing in 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 a a lifestyle of being a man of honor and being a man of 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 truth, yeah. of sincerity, of everything. Like Passion, a, love. A man of of the nights. Yeah. You know, those qualities, you know, sh that had to do with knights and chivalries and gentlemen. Warriors. I mean, th you know, really, that's what it comes down they're to. All, they're <laughs> all good men. And they're what's the harm in that? If you believe in a higher power that's ultimately... For a better cause, yeah. for a higher cause, for the betterment of your your race, your popula your population. What's 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 the harm in that? Nothing. No. 
Because it's just, like you said, people who don't believe in Jesus, cool. But if you're trying to be like Jesus, what's the harm in that? You're making things better around you, really, right? I mean, people uh, want to shit like on religion. Uh, and, and religion is a cause of a lot of bad things, don't get me wrong. But if you take the good, like you're doing. It's all like everything else. Everything in excess is bad. Yeah. Like if you look at if you look at the Bible, it's all based on your interpretation. Yeah. So if you wanna take the positive spin on it, it's great. But if you wanna take the negative spin, it's bad. It's extreme. You know, it's like uh like when we talk about other religions and other societies how they've killed we the catholics the christians oh good a lot of killing too in the name of god terrible but we're supposed to learn from those mistakes not keep repeating them exactly and that's what a lot of people aren't doing they're doing do as i say not as i do yeah me like i told you at 52 i'm still looking for ways to be a better fireman, a better father, a better citizen. You know, it's like, uh, again, I'm always looking for little things on on social media or the Internet to keep me focused. And it says, be the change that you want to see in others. Yep. Or what's the other one? It's, what is it? It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Yep. Those little things, I love... Posting them and 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 sharing them and talking about them, just like the whole egg and potato thing. Yeah, I love that. It's so true that how can you not share that with other people? And it might click something in somebody's head that you're like, damn, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, again, we are talking about social media earlier, and some people are like, oh, no, because I don't like social media. You don't like social media because you're probably the hater that's on the other side that's always talking crap about the other guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't believe Luigi does podcasts. Well, I, I don't think Luigi asked you for your approval. No, no I didn't. So yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't like it, <laughs> don't listen. Don't listen to it. Yeah. Don't criticize. It's like if you post something and I don't agree with it, I keep it to myself. Yeah, that's it. If you post something and I'm all in, I'll be like, bro, that's awesome. <laughs> so like the saying says, if you got nothing nice to say, don't, don't say, say nothing it. at all. That's it. It's, it's simple. It's simple. All those sayings come with a lesson attached to it. Yep. And what is it? Lesson learned, lesson shared. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try, to, I try to do with my social media. I try to share good things. I try to share things to help others. I don't go on there just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy posted that picture. Oh, you know what? If that person's posting of pictures upset me that bad, I unfriend goodbye. Yeah. What's your social media? What's your Instagram name? My Instagram yep. is Jedi of oh. Fire. So if you guys want to have some knowledge and some comedy, you follow Rob. I Jedi of Fire. I that name because obviously I'm a big Star Wars junkie. Mm-hmm. And to me, Star Wars emulates the Bible and life. Yeah. There's good. There's evil. The Jedis, what do they do? They try to... There's a balance. They try to preserve the traditions that were passed on to them. They're a fewer group 
that fights against what's bad. I love that. I never. I mean, I you always think of it like that, but you, you, when you say it out loud, it sounds what so much there, better. What is there more of? Is there more Sith and bad people or Jedi's? Sith and bad people. Exactly, which is life in general. Yeah, it's easy to be bad. It is, but it's hard to be good. It's hard to be a person of moral, moral stability. Yeah, because right now we're living in a world where. Bad is good and good is bad. And morals are, are and few morals and far between. Morals are them. not on the ground. They're subterranean. Yeah. They're below ground. Mm-hmm. So nobody wants to be uncomfortable. Nobody wants to say the right things because they don't want to upset people. If it's true, then you cannot get upset. It's yeah. like when I talk about somebody, I talk, I try to talk about that person like if that person was standing right next to me. Yeah. If I say this guy's a piece of shit, I'm going to say this guy's a piece of shit because of this, this, and this. And that person's going to be like, damn, well, Jacob's right. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't go out of my way and tell you you're a piece of shit because I don't think that would make you happy. Yeah. And but it's probably not going to help them. And yeah. you tell me, hey, Ortega, is it true that you say that I'm a piece of shit? And I go, well, now that you ask me, you're a piece of shit because this, this, is this. Is that true or is it not true? Yeah. Okay, then well, don't get upset. Mm-hmm. Either change it. Or I'm you're a piece lying. of shit. <laughs> no. I'm not lying. No. no. And if I'm wrong, I'll tell you, you know what, Luigi, my bad, bro. Yeah. I thought this was that mistake. This, which is another thing. Nobody wants to own up to their shit. Yeah. Everybody wants to be like Punch's pilot and wash their hands and walk away. No. No. You owned it. You did it. Own it. Yeah, take it. Be take it a on the man chin, dude. And admit your mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you're probably gonna get more respect because of that. Absolutely. Definitely. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. Nor do I claim to know everything. But I try to be the best person that I can to as many people as I can. Absolutely. Oh man, this is like ther- this is therapeutic, it is. dude. It absolutely is. You know, it absolutely you gave me the look, you're like with the big great, breath, bro. I did the same thing. It's awesome. Because a lot of times you want to talk about this, and you might not have the right person to talk about it. No. No. But, and that's why this is necessary. And this, the podcast that you're going to put up might help somebody. I think so, and that's the whole point help of it. other wives that didn't know the importance of allowing their husbands to engage in camaraderie-driven events. And we appreciate those wives, by the way, yes. that deal with our, yes. the husbands that are in service. The the fire a- service cannot succeed without the backing of those wives. No, not at all. Of of the unselfish firefighter wives. It's a foundation that they hold it down. You that you know you could leave your house, you know, right? And they have it under control. Well, exactly. Like when I was gone from this house for almost twenty something days. I didn't have to worry about that my house was going to fall apart because I had nobody to keep the fort up. Yeah. My wife is a tiger. Yeah. And she kept the house. Obviously, yes, she was worried that something could have happened to me. Yep. But she knows that I can't do all the things that I do if I don't have that foundation at home. And if that foundation is weak at home, you can't do shit. Olympus is falling. Yep, absolutely. My kids are going to run over the house, do whatever they want. No. And my wife 
you know, I can't, I can't, again, which, and I'm speaking to all the members out there in the honor guard world, part of your title is honor. Mm-hmm. It's your honor to wear that uniform. It's your honor to represent your department. It's your honor to be there for the people in need and you're guarding your department's reputation, your reputation. You're guarding the the safety of the family members that have lost somebody. If you think about all those things, then it makes it that that much more important to you. Yeah. And we don't realize sometimes how important our role is till you run into those family members later on down the road and they become family to you yeah because they see how much of an importance it is for you to be there for them because it's a step above of your department it's an extra step and i've again it's it's been my honor to be able to represent those family members, my department, you know, my station through the honor guard. Uh, I couldn't do the little bit of work that I did with the union if my family didn't have my back, which is what I told them. I said, look, I want to do a little bit more, but I can't do it unless you guys are on board. No, dad, do it. To the point that it wasn't enjoyable and I got out. But I can say I tried. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know what it entails, so now I don't become a critic of the ones that followed after me. Yeah. Because somebody needs to do it, but that's not for me. Yeah. I still assist wherever I can, Mm -hmm. county ballots, whatever. But there's certain parts of that lifestyle that are not for me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it enjoyable. Yeah. Um, the board of merit, you know, ensuring that people get the recognized the for their actions that they deserve from their peers. Yeah. Uh, what else have I done? Board of merit, uh, running with the recruits. Yeah, you, know, you always do that. I try to do it till my body can't do it anymore, cause I I might not be able to do it till I retire. Mm-hmm. Your body's gonna break down. You get in a bicycle. But you'll do it. But you know, our guys love to. Uh, the older guys love to say, "No, because the young guys, because they don't do this and they don't go to the union meetings." I go, "Okay, let's flip the script." When's the last time that you went to a, a department graduation, and you had no family members in that graduation? Never, never. When's the last time that you went to? The recruit run, never. Uh, when's the last time that you went to talk to the recruits and tried to impose your passion and your love for the fire service with them? Never. Okay, so if you're not setting the example, mm-hmm. they can't follow. Yeah. Can you imagine the impact that it would make for a new member of our department to see, let's say we have... 20, let's say 2,000, okay? If a third of our department that wasn't on duty showed up in class A's to welcome them into the fire service, do you think that wouldn't make a different impact? You're right. 
You're absolutely right. It would. You can't run, okay? You can't run. You're retired. You could still stand outside of headquarters and cheer them as they're going on. Yeah, you're right. So there's an impact based on it's little visual mm-hmm. and, base, and based on numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay? That should be something that, and that's where the cultures come from. That's where, like my buddy Mike Brown said, that's where the lifestyle comes from. Mm-hmm. Okay? You need to do it over and over and over again where it becomes lifestyle and it becomes to tradition. As a, as a matter of fact, I, I spoke. I just sent an email to the chief today because of that. Because I feel like our patch has been changed. I don't know how many times since I've been on. Mm-hmm. But to me, the most recognized patch was the red one. Yeah. You saw that from far away and you knew what department that was without saying a name. Really? Okay. What is it going to take for us to get back to that point in our lives where we were the it factor mm-hmm. yeah you know but i i don't know if that has to do with the city that we live in that is very it's very evolving yeah miami doesn't hold on to a lot of its tradition yeah or a lot of its history yeah you know when you destroy a bar like tobacco road that was a historic landslide. That's a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like I'm gonna say my local Frankie's Pizza or the Arbetters, those are historic landslides. Those are yeah. those are uh included with memories, tradition. You get rid of that. That stuff is gone. I think a lot of people are going back to that mom and pop tradition. I mean, it's it's getting, like you said, like I think a lot of big real estate and things like that are, are screwing things up like that. But a lot of people are taking more pride in that. I mean, it's not many of us, but customer service, pride in local businesses and things like that. And I think people are recognizing that a little bit more, especially because of the whole COVID thing where all these businesses closed down. And my business was a victim to that as well. So, people are taking more pride in that. I mean, it's not many, but it, it, it it's know. there, and you see it mostly. You see it mostly in like the northeast part of the country, which is, you know, the beginning of our country, which was the New England states. Yeah, you see it in the fire service when firemen were firemen and they got paid peanuts. Yeah, but they did it for the love of the job, yeah. of the craft of the tradition and your grandfather was a police officer in FDNY yeah. and a police officer and, and NYPD and his uncle and his grandfather. And you have multi-generational firemen and police in an area that take pride, not only in their name, but in their profession. Yeah. You know, I'm a first generation fireman. Me too. But based on what I've seen in the last couple of years, I might not want my kids to follow my footsteps. I know. I don't want them to go through what I may possibly have to go through or what I've gone through. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, it's, it's it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling to feel um, 
Like you're putting them in harm's way. Oh, yeah. Or you're, yeah. you know, I was going to say put them in harm's way. <laughs> and, and I, and I, I thank God a million times. Like the saying says, the best prayers are those that go unanswered. When I did not know what being a fireman was about, I was going to become a police officer here. <laughs> because I, that was the closest thing to being a Marine that I knew of. Yeah, yeah. And the lady that did my background, for whatever reason, thought that I was not worthy of being a Miami-Dade police officer. And, and hence, here you are now. I thank God every day. I have a lot of buddies of mine that were police officers here in this town, and they were counting down the days to get out because they've been beat yeah. to death yeah. physically, emotionally, to to put your life on the line, to defend the people in the community that, that you grew up in, and to pretty much get spit in your face. And they hate you. And they hate you. For and you're you're trying to help. It's crazy. Yeah. And and I you know I I appreciate them because no matter what, they continue chugging forward because yeah. they gave an oath and they want to finish their contract. Yep. They want to finish what they came here for. But it it's a it's a lot. You know, I, I compare police officers are like dad. Mm-hmm. They come and they lay down the law. And they do the uncomfortable thing. Yeah, you got to be the and dad. We, the firemen, we're like the, the cool uncle. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, hey, hey, what's up? Oh, oh, everybody wants to see you know? you, you know? But without them, there's chaos. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it's a That's thin blue line, dude. <laughs> it's, a, though, it's a line. Even though I have a lot of friends that are police officers, the guys that I see out there, I thank them. And I teach my kids just like I teach them to thank Old veterans with their veteran hats on, thank you for your service. I teach them to do the same thing for the police officers in the community. If I can buy them a lunch or a coffee or whatever, I do it to the point where my kids have done that and the police officers are so moved that they come up to my wife and they're like, where did these kids come from? (laughs) Their dad's big on that. When you see them, that's huge. They'll see a, a veteran hat or a police, and they immediately look at them. That's awesome. Go, hey, thank you for your service. They don't get that enough. That's awesome. I don't want to add more shit to their plate. No, exactly. You know? <sighs> Let's close it out, Rob. Okay. We're good. I think we did almost two and a half hours, and that was a great that was a great show, man. Great episode. Did we save all the world's problems? Yeah, I think so. I think if we listen to this, if we get we get the president to listen to it, I think he'll understand. (laughs) Whatever. Now we we solve the problems in our house, and then it's slowly, and then and then in your community, and then so on and so on. It starts with us, guys. Take pride in what you do, and thank you for listening and. My guest, Rob Ortega, baby. Enjoy the show. I believe this is episode... Fuck, I forgot what episode it was, Rob. I gotta see. This is... I think it's episode 40. Episode 39 or 40. Oh, look at that. How coincidence. I can't even fucking remember. The station right? that we met at. I know, right? All right, guys. Thank you. And I hope you enjoy the show. Rob Ortega. 
Jedi of Fire. Yo! Thank God there's no one in your house. Take care, guys.